0: Welcome back to the Zero to Here podcast. I am your host, Any Duma. Producer Carl's in the house. What's going on? How much are you? <laughs> I feel like we do the exact same thing every time. We might as well just clip one and just repeat it at the beginning, and then just start the conversation. <laughs> or we can be more creative a little bit. Maybe we'll work on that. Uh, our guest tonight. Looking forward to the conversation tonight. Uh, he is super experienced in the food and beverage industry. I just recently learned that he was in the beer industry as well, which obviously you guys know that I love. And he's recently started a, uh, restaurant consulting business. Also runs a podcast, which you guys also know that I love, uh, Brad Bodnichuk. How you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I often start asking people to describe themselves in a few words.
1: Kind of just gives me a little bit of insight into who they are and what they like. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I listened to um, a friend of mine, Mandy Gill. I know you had on, her on your show. Yeah. Mandy was awesome. A little while ago. Yeah. She's full of energy. And then uh, our mutual friend, Rich, as well. Obviously, I haven't heard his from Patterson Brand. Shout out, Richard Patterson. Absolutely. I um, <clears> haven't heard his yet, but... Uh, I listened to Mandy's, and um, it's funny. I heard that question, and I thought, if I could ask the same thing, what would I say? And in this, in the moment, on the spot, at that time, I kind of drew a blank, and I still didn't give it any thought. So it's going to come completely, <laughs> completely improv here. A few words to describe me: um, uh, unapologetically honest. Um, I, for some reason, have been gifted with rose colored glasses so no matter what the situation i'm always trying to find the silver lining what the opportunity might be there which at times serves me really well and at times also frustrates a lot of people around me and at times also sets me up for a bit of disappointment um i don't know why call it god call it uh mother nature the universe gifted me with this just glasses always half full so super positive Super ambitious. Um, aim for the stars every single day. That's kind of me.
0: That uh, To me, that's something that is super key for long-term success is just honesty no matter what the result is going to be. And that's something I've definitely learned in business over the last 10 years is that regardless of the short-term response from whoever you're in communication with, the ho- honesty is always going to win. For us in real estate, It's uh, not easy to go into someone's house and tell them that their place is worth $250,000 less than what they want. (laughs) (laughs) But taking a listing really high and over-promising and under-delivering never looks good on long-term reputation. If we lose one listing because we're honest and tell people what we really think, it is what it is. But long-term, I think the respect that people have for people that are honest no
1: matter what wins out. Yeah, I think to again, to, if I can be totally honest, it took me a while to get there. Um, it took me a while to get unapologetically honest. And I think for a long time, and I think I know for a long time, I always wanted to show up for people a certain way and never wanted to disappoint people. So I think to your point, I, I did a lot of over promising and under delivering just because I wanted to be a certain guy for whoever it was, whether it's my family or a business uh, transaction or a girl I was dating, whatever it was, I would say a lot of the right things, but maybe not feel that way or be able to follow through with that. But over time, now that I'm 37 years old, I've learned how much that doesn't serve me. And like, to your point, you may not see this, the fruits of that labor today of being so unapologetically honest, Mm. but if you stick to it, man, it's going to pay dividends long run for sure. And I, and I've learned that both the hard way and, and the easy way, but it's, um, yeah, I, I agree with what you said. Whether or not you see it right away, it might not be tangible, but just wait—it's going to show up and help you out for sure.
0: That's a really interesting point because I think a lot of people get caught in that vein of people pleasing, mm. of th- basing their decisions on what someone else expects of them or what they think someone else expects of them. And I just think it—like long term—it always loses. Yeah. It uh, for me, I yeah, I definitely learned it the hard way too growing up. But realized pretty early on, which maybe I'm lucky to have to have done it fairly early, is just that I don't really care what they think of me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just going to be authentically me and honest. And if that burns a couple bridges along the way, at least it was me that was talking and not the expectation of who i thought i was supposed to be.
1: Right. Do you you know what i used to say that a lot and I, I still i still agree with it but do you actually not care what they think? Meaning they like whoever there must be a list of some people that who you do truly care like i'm sure not to be funny but i'm sure you care what carl thinks of you because he's probably a good friend of yours or your family. Like d- do you think that's I, do you think that statement <clears throat> at times can get a little bit blown out of proportion? Like do you really not care or is there a small a very small special like power circle that you have where you are concerned with how you show up and how they view you.
0: I, I love that we're exploring this cause this is super important to me. I, um I honestly don't really care what people think of me. I value people's perspective and opinions mm-hmm. and maybe that will alter some movements down the road. But in terms of like direct feedback, I feel like I'm, Doing as much as I can to be as honest as I can and be who I am. Mm. And if someone doesn't like who I am, I can't really alter the path to go down the road that someone wants me to be. 100%. Are there people that I like will listen to their opinions much more than others? Absolutely. Business partner, family, that kind of stuff. But the list is pretty small. Yeah. Like someone comments on a social media post and says like, you're an idiot. Why do you post a photo (laughs) of running in the summer every day? Right. Because I like running and because I get 10 times as many positive comments from people saying like thank you for posting your fitness journey it's gotten me off the couch and now I'm going to the gym yeah, you know, exactly. like things like that. Yeah. so one positive comment or little things like that totally outweigh an,
1: an Oh, negative. dude, totally I did I did a uh, I did a post for a year uh, in 2017. Uh, we could go long we can go long here but I'll keep it pretty short. I was going through uh, so I was married for seven years. And going through a divorce and just getting like a ton of flack from people that were my friends or i thought were my friends and i I did this thing where i was posting every single day and to your point exactly there was so many there were so many negative comments but it was every once in a while i'd get that like dm from someone be like dude that was so inspirational and so special and that made me like you said, whatever the version of them getting off the sofa was, and that is worth like that's just worth it all, and you can tune out all the other noise
0: it makes me think that i'm on the right track and I'm currently going through the divorce, so I know what I oh, should definitely we about talk about that if we can <laughs> yeah, whatever, uh, there's no there's no guidelines here
1: yeah no it's uh <clears throat> i'll just quickly say that it was um at the start of the conversation when I was talking about um learning to be unapologetically honest mm-hmm. and going through that 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 time in my life was very definitive for me, that separation, because it was the, we're going really deep here already. It was the first time that I felt that I was truly being honest, not only with those around me, but with myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't fair the way it happened. It was literally a bomb dropped on my ex-wife. Um, she thought everything was great. and It just wasn't because I wasn't sharing how ungrate it was. Um, but for me it was the first time that I put myself first and for a lot of us out there that feels like it might be selfish but I'm always reminded of what they tell you on the plane every time you get on there like put your gas mask on first you can't help anyone else not gas mask, sorry your oxygen mask Pardon me um I'm no good to you if I don't if I can't breathe right so it was the first time for me in 10 years that I had been truly honest and it upset a lot of people, but looking where I'm at now it was a hundred percent the right decision.
0: Maybe my experience. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities because I felt I was only married for two and a half years. I felt like most days I was just being a very shell of myself mm. and was almost being ground into someone who I didn't want to be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, absolutely. You, snap and say things that you shouldn't and are not really you because you feel like you're being pushed in a direction that you shouldn't be going. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't get that negative feedback because the end of it, it just, it ended in a different way than yours did. It yeah. sounded
1: like Well, for, our, for us, for on the outside, everything looked great. Yeah. Um, and I think that was why everyone was so surprised is because there wasn't, I don't, I don't snap. It just it's not in me, I don't really care to waste the energy on being that person for me i just don't I don't have that within me mm-hmm. um so there never was any volatility in that relationship and so for when it when it came to my family and her family and our friends finding out they were they were just as surprised as she was um so yeah it it just it just like I said, it was just the first time where I was completely honest with everyone around me, most importantly, myself and was completely selfish. And it's why, it's why I am where I am today. It's why I have my own business. It's why I have a beautiful partner that I love. It's why I have a gorgeous eight month, almost nine month old daughter, like all these things, this, this is my journey. And I apologize to those people that have been quote unquote negatively affected along the way. And I've made some mistakes, but I'm sorry. This is just like, this is what I had to do. And I don't, regret any of it
0: it's cool to see how how you react in let's say like the most traumatic or toughest moments of your life right for Mm. me it was really tough for me i was extremely focused on work wasn't at home as much as she would have liked me to be but i wasn't willing to sacrifice career at that point in my life i was like 27 um it's so for me i i Stopped working out. I was working 16 hours a day, seven days a week for most of the year and I was gaining weight. And so this whole circumstance for me pushed me to get back in the gym. It pushed me to be exactly who I want to be all the time. And I consciously think about that now Mm. it pushed me to start the podcast. It pushed me to be more active on social media. And so I just see, I feel like I am where I'm supposed to be now, but it was a couple of years of a lot of shit to get there.
1: Yeah, but that's 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 just it. I don't know if you're a hip hop guy at all, but I'm a big J. Cole fan, and one of his songs he talks about uh, in the struggle there is beauty. Like you gotta you gotta go through the ugly stuff to get to the good stuff, and whether it's business or personal relationships, whatever. Like if there's, I say this on my podcast all the time. Like if there's no struggle, that's when I start being really concerned like Mm -hmm. why are things so good why are things so something's about to change like there needs to be a bit of that grit for me at least not for everyone but there needs to be a bit of a challenge otherwise like why are we why are we doing it
0: Mm -hmm. i'm the exact same way the grind is exciting for me the journey is exciting the (laughs) plateau the successes along the way are are almost scary yeah and yeah, I say that all the time too. It's just like, I like the process rather than the successes. And I've been asked, why don't you take compliments very well? And my response is, I just, I don't think I'm,
1: I, I don't think I'm at a point where I deserve them yet. Mm. You should, you should learn. To get, I mean, sorry. I I'm getting speak. better. But got, it's like, it's like accepting a gift. I showed up today with like, I don't know, maybe you like cheesecake. I showed up with like a really expensive cheesecake for you. are Like, no, no, no. Just, just take it. And I'm learning that now. Like, yeah. Um, when people go out of the way to do something for you, like you having me on your podcast, uh, Carl giving his time to this as well, like just accept it. And I think another thing with that is I don't take things now and feel like I need to reciprocate because if that's the reason why someone's giving me something or being kind, then I don't really want to be involved in that. And I learned that again, just like the last year and a half, especially with my partner, like forever and ever when i would tell someone that i love them i would sit there like a dog waiting for them to say it back to me do you know what i mean <laughs> totally. but that's but that's not why you should be motivated to tell someone you love them you should tell someone you love them just because i love them. just like hey i love you and then just carry on it shouldn't be i'm only saying it because i want you to say it back um so yeah when it comes to when it comes to giving and receiving now i'm just totally open to receiving because I feel like people are just doing it because they want to do it. I let them do it.
0: Mm -hmm. One thing uh, like Gary V talks about all the time is, is uh, giving, giving, giving and not expecting anything in return. Right. Yeah. I think it's just such a cool mindset thought process to go through life in is just never expecting anything from everyone, anyone understanding that you're in control of your journey and your life. It's such a freeing, uh, thought process to be in right. Yeah, well, if you're expecting, if you're entitled, or if you have the entitlement to something, it's just constantly dragging you down.
1: Yeah, there's a great book called Solve for Happy, and I won't ruin it for everyone. But basically, what it says is, if you want the key to happiness, lower your expectations. <laughs> and it sounds kind of defeatist, but it's not. If you if you really look at it the right way, in, in my opinion. And yeah, it's just like, man, just like you said, keep giving with the idea of getting nothing back and, and do it because you want to do it. Have people onto your podcast because you want to learn more about them. Don't have them on your podcast, whoever you are, because you hope they share it and they have 50,000 followers and you hope you get a bunch. You know what I mean? Like Uh that's, if that's your modus operandi, I just kind of question the, why are you doing this?
0: hundred percent. Okay this is an interesting idea to me because I think we can go back and forth that you say, well, this book says lowering your expectations will help you find happiness quicker. Mm. Is that of other people specifically? Of everything. Yeah. Of yourself as
1: well? Of yourself as well.
0: Yeah. How, so let's relate that back to like entrepreneurship and running a business and having big goals and being a motivated person.
1: How, like how do it's it seems almost contradictory it's very it's very very challenging and i i don't i don't claim to have that equation uh perfected at all because i have extremely high goals like cuz i subscribe to that of lowering the expectations and and being happy because you're always going to exceed whatever expectations you had with whatever you get but then i also have uh other voices and other people i look up to mentors saying if your goals don't make your friends laugh, they're not big enough. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I say that, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so when I tell someone that i i, I need to make or I want to make eighty thousand dollars this month, they say, "What do you mean this you mean this year?" And I say, "No, like like March, like eighty grand in March, and then they laugh, and then I know okay this is i'm I'm on to something, <laughs> but yeah, going back to your original question i I don't know it's that to me is very challenging, and for me I I try to be cognizant of it in certain aspects of my life. The business side of me, I'm more challenged by that. My expectations on people in my life, I find um, it's easier for me to follow through with that lowered expectation in that aspect of my life because it allows for me not to judge people. It allows for me, excuse me, allows for me not to have... High expectations from people, and just when I say I love you, I say I love you because I love you. I'm not expecting anything from you. When I bring you a cheesecake, I'm not expecting, you know, a cheesecake back. Um, but yeah, it's it's challenging. Uh, but I don't. I don't that that book to me and that kind of uh, theory doesn't define how I carry on every aspect of my life. But I'm definitely conscious of it in certain aspects. Um, day in and day out, because, because I think if you do excessively put high expectations on, especially other people, um, my, my therapist told me like, we're, we're built to disappoint people. Like human (laughs) beings are just built to disappoint people. So sometimes that's what we do.
0: I've learned and consciously gone out of my way to have very low expectations of other people, even like the people that work with us and et cetera. But I, on myself, I have extremely high expectations. So, hearing you say that, it it, to me is tough to even comprehend Mm -hmm. how. Why would I lower my expectations if I want to reach these goals? If I lower my expectations and don't work as hard, I'm not going to reach those goals. Right. So it's contradictory in my head. But for other people, I it hasn't been difficult to lower expectations. Of course, there's some times where you feel like you've gone out of your way to do something and don't get a thank you or don't get anything. And it, you think about it for a second. Yeah, for sure. But like, I always try to just refresh in my head, be like, to them that may not even seem like an important thing. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. And it's just like, who said, who said that this is how you need to react and who said that this is the right way to respond when someone gives you something. It's just like, Maybe they just operate differently. Maybe they're brought up differently. I'm sure when you go into someone's, or someone comes to your home, you offer them a water, or you say hello and welcome them into your space. Those are certain things that you've kind of grown up to understand as normal. But I think for me, I know for me, just now a better understanding that I know nothing about you and where you've come from. So for me to put my expectations on you or completely unfair mm-hmm. and that's again going not to keep talking about my divorce but it was so definitive for me at 35 years old that i finally learned like i spent so many years like judging people and criticizing people um and not from a not from a bad not from me like uh i don't know how to say it not from a dangerous or a bad place it just came to me um that I found myself consistently judging people. But through that separation, I learned, man, like, until you walk a mile in someone's shoes, it's such a cliche, but it is so true. Like, you've got, in my opinion, you've got no right to judge anyone unless you've walked a mile in their shoes, which is really difficult at times. But for me, it was very eye-opening.
0: That's something I've even focused on in the last little while is... um like even things like someone cutting you off in traffic mm-hmm. used oh, to piss man. me off, right? Yeah. And I'd yell at the guy and honk for, <laughs> I was like the world's longest honker too i I'd honk oh, for, no. I don't honk for 25 <laughs> seconds. <yet. laughs> but now things like that happen. And even if there's other people in the car, I'd be like, oh, that guy's a jackass. And I'd be like, well, you know, maybe his mom died yesterday.
1: Exactly. Right? Yeah. You just don't you know. Have no, no idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah I I like that a lot. I love talking about that. Yeah. Let's let's find out a little bit about you. Okay. I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background. Uh, food and beverage industry for, or yeah. tons of experience in the food and beverage yeah, so industry.
1: I think uh, like a lot of us, uh, I know you mentioned you kind of came from the space as well, mm-hmm. but started off when I was 16, scooping ice cream, baking cakes for this cafe uh, back in Fall River, Nova Scotia. So mm-hmm. shout out Fall River, small town <laughs> outside of Halifax. I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening from Fall River. <laughs> um, One of my buddies is from uh, Antigonish. Oh, Antigonish, yeah. yeah, cool. St. effects, yeah. There you go. Great spot, great uh, great hockey team as well. Um, so yeah, I started there and just fell in love with it. I absolutely love the fact that I could interact with people, which gives me such a high. And I've kind of been aware of that since I was a, a young kid or, or an early teen. Mm-hmm. And I'm, have always been hyper, hyper, um, aware of my love for food as well. So putting those two things together, I was like, I can, I can play with food and I can be around people like this is amazing. So uh, that took me from uh, scooping ice cream to being a bartender. Then uh, through university, uh, bartended and worked at different pubs uh, uh, in Nova Scotia where I went to university and then left school, went overseas. Um We talked a bit before we turned the mics on. I actually started doing real estate (laughs) for a bit, uh, which was crazy. When I got to London, it was a job that just kind of fell in my lap. And for those of you that have ever uh, decided to call the UK home, uh, it can be a shock to your bank account. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, this was 2004, and the Canadian dollar was, I think, uglier than it is right now. And um, so I, I needed this job, so I started doing real estate. And after a while, I just hated it, but then got back into the industry and started running what they call a, a wine bar over there in the banking district and just fell back in love with it. And I thought to myself, well, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to finish up my two years in the UK. I'm going to fly back to Halifax, open up an amazing pub and just blow it out of the water. That never happened. I moved to Vancouver. I uh, met a girl, which we kind of discussed and uh, stayed in the industry for a while, but I started to really dislike it, and this is kind of motivating me in in my consultancy right now is to kind of be the change of what the industry is for so many people, which is super thankless. it is excessively long hours. I mean, for me, at the time, I was running a place in Yaletown, and I'd go to work at maybe eleven o'clock in the morning, get home around two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning the next day mm-hmm. and uh after a year and a half or two years of that, I just thought like, how much longer can I do this? Like, how much longer can I actually do this? And I'm someone who likes to who likes to stay uh, active and fit as well, and it just completely ate up the majority of my life and my energy. So I actually left the industry for uh, about a year and a half and did some commercial construction sales, uh, which took me all over the world, which is really cool. So places like Abu Dhabi and uh, back to the UK and the UAE. So I was really cool. But then it just called to me again, this industry. And again, before we turn the mics on, I was talking about my background with beer. So I got, I got hooked up with a fantastic company from back East, which is Moosehead Breweries, uh, shout out to team Moosehead and worked for them for five and a half years and uh, was consistently just watching this space in the lower mainland like watching what was going on the trends and who's doing what and what's what's succeeding and what isn't and then after five and a half years and the support of my my partner Lindsay, i thought i gotta do this i gotta get back on my own and do my own thing and october uh launched my own restaurant consultancy business and it's been amazing and given me so much and there's just a few months that it's been up and running love it absolutely love it
0: what uh I guess maybe your previous experience in or your last experience in the Yaletown restaurant, but what makes you go into the consulting side rather than like starting your own restaurant or you know, yeah. whatever, going well, back
1: well, into the, well, I was rest- actually going to, we were going to open up a breakfast brunch, lunch spot. Um, and I was super close to signing a lease on a space at uh, Broadway and Fraser for those of you that are in Vancouver, uh, East Broadway and Fraser. And, um, I had a meeting with everyone, my two engineers, my head chef, my designers, my GC and uh, around, I think it was like 10 o'clock in the morning to walk the space one last time. And I got a phone call like 15 minutes before from my investor saying we're out. <laughs> so the project was going to cost us uh half a million dollars and he was putting up uh three fifths of that and we were going to top up the rest and, uh, so I've said this before uh on a podcast I've never like shaken more in my life and I, I I'm like pretty chill. I don't let stuff really get to me and i was I didn't know how to react like I went through the meeting with everyone I did the walk through, knowing that this project's not going forward, but it was kind of a blessing in disguise um because we had a baby on the way in a couple couple months, and was I really prepared was i was I really in a place to spend that money and not be there for child for the first year or so. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so stayed with Moosehead, stayed doing the, the beer thing. And, and then finally decided that the next best thing I can do, if it's not going to be my own restaurant is to help someone else fulfill their dreams. And man, I learned an absolute ton as well, going through the process. Um, and that's what also motivated me to, to be that uh, assistant for someone who's going through that to be like, hey man, you got to consider this, 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 and this. Did you consider this? Did you get your partners to sign on a dotted line with your lawyer? Which I never did, so please go get your lawyers. <laughs> if you're looking to open up a business, just have a lawyer with you at all times with a contract ready to be signed. Um, but yeah, lesson learned. But it's 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 worked out so well for me and I th- I, I don't think I know that this role as a consultant right now is exactly where i need to be um it allows me it affords me the lifestyle that i i that we need as a family and it affords me the ability to be a very active father in my daughter's life which is so imperative to me and i know through exposure with current clients and just myself in the industry like it's not forgiving especially mm-hmm. the young families like as you well know right mm-hmm. you grew up in it um but that's that's a goal of mine is to help those people that that are in it to find a way to make it a little bit more palatable. So it's not 10 a.m. in the morning till 2 a.m. in the morning because that's a short lifespan. Is
0: the idea behind the consulting business getting um, like ideas off the ground and setting up restaurants or is it also on the other side of helping underperforming businesses get better?
1: I, I love I love the idea of working with someone and kind of watering an existing seed and helping them look at what it could be or maybe bring in um, a new set of eyes and conceptualize something. But my true value to the industry is to the existing restaurants that are really challenged with things like culture, staff mm-hmm. turnover low margins, that kind of stuff. That's where I really thrive um, in coming in and really working with the people and perfecting that inputting systems and processes that are going to allow for them to operate the business just much more smoothly and ideally more profitably as well. I think, I think the industry is plagued by this perpetuating story of low margins and terrible uh, work environment, all those things. And, I know a ton of restaurants that are killing it in margins and their staff love it. So what are they doing? Right. So that's how I try to emulate with my clients is look at those people that are always in the top 25 list or top 50 list and borrowing from them. Some things that they're implementing in their business just takes a paradigm shift for a lot of people. Sometimes
0: what are the biggest things or the most common things that people are doing incorrectly that are maybe
1: making them struggle? I think the biggest thing I see is um the the leadership team and for a lot of for a lot of businesses that's just the owners uh completely disenchanted and exhausted and overworked and for some reason they have this idea that this has to be the reality <laughs> but I come in there and show them that There are ways to get creative with this and you can't keep doing this, but it's amazing how, and you running your own business, I'm sure you get this, like it's such a trickle down effect, right? And um, one of my mentors, he doesn't know he's a mentor of mine, but he is Danny Meyer, uh, one of the most successful restaurateurs there is in the world today. Uh, He talks about skunking. And skunking is the way he talks about it. If like you and I, the three of us, say Carl and yourself and myself, were running a bar and we open up at five and Carl just broke up with his girlfriend and he walks in at 4.30 and he's just in a shitty mood. And he's in a shitty mood when we open the doors and he's in a shitty mood the rest of the night. He's skunking you and I. He's making the whole environment just come down a bit and not smell as nice. So when owners are dis- like disenchanted and discouraged and tired and fed up and all those things, they're skunking their business big time. So how can I make them aware of that? And then what are the systems and processes we can put in place that will allow for them not to be that skunk in their business and give them some time away? But the first thing they say is, well, there's no money. How can I, I can't afford to hire someone. <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, okay, well... <laughs> it it's it's it takes it takes some time but we get there eventually um
0: early on i guess you are still early on you're what 6 months into the business yeah,
1: yeah not even yeah very early
0: what is the prospecting plan how are you
1: getting clients right now right now it's a lot of actually um, is there
0: much competition in restaurant consulting business in greater vancouver
1: yeah it all depends on on what you um what and how you label yourself. Because when I say restaurant consultant, it's such a broad stroke sure. like whether you're writing menus or you're designing kitchens or you're designing color swatches for walls, like what are you consulting on? For me, excuse me, my big thing is I help restaurant owners uh, by creating a culture of excellence uh, in their in their restaurants. So that to me is completely unique in this space. No one is doing that. There'll be a lot of businesses, probably three or four locally, that will just come in and they'll say, we'll increase your margins from 5 to 8%. And for a lot of business owners, that's all they really care about. Mm-hmm. But for me, there has to be more to it than that. It can't just be about 3%. Otherwise, go be in a, another business that's going to pay you a way better margin. So it has to be like, let's talk about why you're doing this. And then taking my cust- my clients part of me and going back to like day one. What was like day one? What were the emotions and feelings you had? And what was the vision you had on day one and tapping into that? Um, But as far as getting clients, my podcast has been fantastic for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, before we turn the mics on again, like the networking you get from something like this is just incredible. Like, again, before we turn the mics on, two great contacts I would love to introduce you to that are totally in your niche as far as the beer game is concerned. Um, One obviously on a macro level and one on the craft level. Um, but the podcast has been great for me social media LinkedIn is huge um, I did the Sam Ovens course okay I don't know if you know it uh, the consulting accelerator okay and I don't know Carl do you know Sam Ovens no do you know no oh dude you gotta, you gotta <laughs> look into it my coach um, my coach shout out nee, uh he sent it to me and it was an absolute game changer like Dude, you gotta you gotta do it it's like whatever your business is if you're listening whatever your business is go to the Sam ovens consulting accelerator course it will change the way you look at and run your business so uh, my website is set up now in a way that uh, it's done with click funnels so it pushes people through videos and the videos there's a bunch of free information and after the after the video there's a survey they fill out and then they book a, book an appointment with me and we'd have a phone call and then there's a sales script and then hopefully they sign up Um, but as far as, as drumming up people just to drive into a website or, or to get on a phone call, it's, it's usually through, uh, a lot of networking, but networking through the podcast, um, LinkedIn is huge. Facebook is huge. Social media for me is just invaluable.
0: A few things. Okay. I'm going to, I have like a few different topics and basically the question is how important are these to the restaurant industry to building a successful food and beverage place okay um i think a lot of them are cross borders into basically any industry Mm -hmm. you talked about employees and building culture Mm -hmm. so that was one of them Mm -hmm. but uh location how important is location in success of a restaurant
1: it all depends to me for me it all depends on how good the concept is if the concept is good and the service is good and you follow through it doesn't matter where you are and a great example for me is something locally i don't know if you guys know it uh, it's in vancouver it's called Chow chau veggie express i'm not a vegetarian i'm not a vegan but it's one know. of the best spots uh man you gotta go i'm a i'm a celebrated omnivore i'll eat all the meat all day <laughs> but um this place is it is a destination it's not on granville street it's not on broadway it's not it's not anywhere where you and i would probably end up going but I go because of what they do and how well they do it. So for so many years, you've always heard location, 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 but you've also heard build it and they'll come. So I'm more of a proponent of build it and they'll come. Just make sure you absolutely like smash it and people will be lined up at your door no matter where you are. Um, so yeah, Edge Express. They're also on Granville Island, but I hate to say it, guys. The Granville Island one is a little like, you know, the wah-wah music. It's a little wah-wah. <laughs> the one up on Victoria is the one to hit up.
0: Yeah, okay. um, you kind of just touched on this, but culture and atmosphere.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's huge. It's a that's imperative. a differentiator. Yeah, God, you walk into a space, and the vibe just has to be right, and it has to be like literally from the moment. And I say this to my to my clients, like the moment, the moment you have a guest step their foot through like the shadow of your door, it starts then. And what is that experience? What is their first taste of your brand? What's the music like? What's the lighting like? How well put together is the person that's greeting someone? There better be there someone there greeting like there better be someone there greeting them because I don't know how many times I've walked into a space and been like, I don't know, like do I seat myself, do I not seat myself? That to me is like a big no no. Um, and then your staff, your staff have to be bought in. And that again comes like I said earlier, it comes down from down from the owner. They if you don't care, they won't care. Whether it's your front of house staff, back of house staff, um yeah, it's it is for me, culture vibe is absolutely everything. Eric Pateman is was just in Forbes and Eric uh owns um Edible Canada on Granville Island. Okay. Uh, Great spot and hyper-local. Eric's doing amazing things. And what Eric does is he writes the food tourism plan for our country. This, This guy's in charge of a lot of very important decisions when it comes to food in our country and kind of putting Canada on the map when it comes to food. And he was on my podcast a few months ago, and one thing he said, and he articulated it so well, was he can stay at home and cook a really good meal, but he goes out to be looked after. So if the three of us go out for a steak after this, the steak can be underdone or overdone. But if the guy or the girl looking after us is like just, again, knocking out of the park, we're going to go back again. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's it the service, the culture and the vibe. They have to be, have to, have to, have to be a 10 out of 10. If they're not, you're probably not going to live to see the Friday next year.
0: So culture and service is more important than product.
1: Yeah. Totally. Totally. Give me a really watery tomato and cool music and great lighting and fantastic service. And I'll come back and try it. Your tomato next time. I'll give you another chance. Yeah, man, it's, it's just, but it's, but the places that have longevity, mm. the places that you and I brag to our friends about, and I ask everyone this at nauseum is like, okay, what is your spot? If you have guests coming to town, what is the one spot you take them? And those are the spots that, The culture and the vibe is a 10 out of 10 and their tomatoes are good and their steaks are cooked. right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And those are the ones that are going to be around for ages. Um, I could sit here and list off a few of them, but those are the ones that are consistently being celebrated by the industry because not only are they cognizant of how important people in the culture and their owners not skunking the business, but they're also just crushing the food.
0: I tend to like the one-off restaurants mm-hmm. and going to the, even if the service and the atmosphere is not as good as like the big chains or like the nice chains, like a highs or something like that. I tend to like going to the one-offs just to kind of see what you're going to get. Cause you know exactly what you're going to get at highs. Mm-hmm. You get the same filet mignon every time. It's going to be the exact same. It's mm-hmm. going to be cooked perfectly. The service is going to be phenomenal. And you know what it is. I almost like, the experiment of going somewhere else. Oh, totally. Yeah. But give me like your top two or three or whatever of like best one-off restaurants. Who's doing the culture well, who has great staff, who puts a really good
1: product out too.
0: I'm a greater Vancouver. Yeah.
1: I'm a big fan of, and this is kind of under the same group. So this is a bit unfair, but I'll, I'll name two that are, uh, owned by the same group of people. Uh, so Salvia Volpe, which is, uh, I think it's a good thing or a bad thing it's like two minute walk from my doorstep <laughs> um I, w- I would say that is my like that is my let's go there if you're just visiting for the night that's the spot we're going to mm-hmm. probably can't get a seat but um that would be it Savio volpe they just they crush it the room is beautiful um craig Tangeta from saint marie designed that room and it's just it's stunning and the food is just it's great it's not unapproachable it's it's approachable, it's good Italian food, but the services out of this world they make you feel like you're in someone's home, which to me is what it's all about mm. uh and then also under the umbrella of that company is pepino's um I don't know if you've been to it's a it's in Nick old Nick's old Suetti house on, been, on commercial. Nick's old spaghetti house, yeah, so it's, it's now Papino's. pepino's so okay. um again, that team is just doing incredible things. It's fun. It's, it's, uh, like American Italian food, um, again, super approachable. The room is super rad and the service again is just on point. And the last one, I would say Farmer's Apprentice on, uh, just off of Granville and second or Granville and six, I think it is. Super, I didn't know that one. Super small room. It's by Grapes and Soda. So same again. Same company that owns so so uh, Farmers Apprentice and Grapes and Soda are the same uh, same owners. Um, but Farmers Apprentice is your hyper local. All the farms they work with are written on the wall. The menu is always changing. I think there's maybe 20 seats in there. Um, so that's why they open up Grapes and Soda because you can then go and have your cocktail or your beer like two doors down. Wait for your table to open up. Um, but again, just they've got a an old vinyl uh record player in there and just adds to the vibe and the fact that it's so small, like you're talking about one-offs, like mm-hmm. it's just you don't if they opened up ten of those, it wouldn't feel the same. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And it is kind of fun in those spaces to see some of those bruises and nicks and trips, where at the highs you never do because everything is just like whoosh, whoosh, perfect but man like i said earlier like i want to see a bit of struggle and like a bit of sweat on my server and the chef right (laughs) i completely agree
0: (laughs) uh you mentioned social media and how important it is to your business how important is it to a local restaurant marketing basically under the umbrella of branding and marketing
1: yeah um you know what? I, I'm challenged by this a bit, and I'm even challenged now by putting value on my social media because of again. Look up, look up Sam Ovens if you don't know him, but he has a terrible online presence. Like it is, he even calls it out. Like he says, my website is garbage. There's spelling errors all over it. Uh, he just started posting on Instagram like a few months ago. Uh, he thinks Snapchat is like the biggest waste of time he doesn't even tell you to email your email people back he's like you're too busy to email so don't even email people <laughs> back so his whole idea of social media is like it's it doesn't add value um but you're seeing some stuff from him pop up um here and there i think right now it's especially in food um it is it is imperative that you have some sort of um brand identity on some platform instagram obviously for a lot of people is is the one to populate and if anything, it just builds, it can build um, a bit of a rapport with your guests or potential guests and kind of giving them an idea of what to expect, what, it, what it's like in your place of business. And it's either a fortunate or unfortunate thing, depends on what chef you talk to, um, how menus are now being written so they look good in an Instagram photo. Um, but a lot of times, if you and I take a photo of that perfect steak... In the perfect light, someone's probably going to go in there and check it out. So, it's it's one of those things you could be damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I think those that do it well, it's a it's a positive thing for them. I don't really preach it too hard with my clients. Um, Again, it's if it's going to help people get through the door and try try your restaurant out, then yeah, I see some value in it. But let's not spend too much time just sitting there and updating photos because that's not really what we're doing. We're a restaurant. We're not a social media platform.
0: There's a couple of ways I look at social media and maybe it's coming from my background in a service industry like real estate, but one it's a 24 seven online resume. So people can look, people will look at you and decide based on who you are on social media, if they're going to use you or not. Mm-hmm. Same thing with restaurants. In my opinion, if someone looks at your Instagram and it's ugly, dark photos, They're probably going to go somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) But if you do it well, it probably entices people to come in. I don't know it from that side of the industry, but I Mm. would guess that is what happens. And the the other way to look at social media is adding value to people. So from a real estate perspective in my world, it'd be more like educating consumers, new things in the industry. What the hell is the speculation tax form that's showing up at everyone's house right now? Mm -hmm. Educating people, providing value for free how does how does a restaurant provide value it's easy to see how they can how it can be a great resume for them if people look them up and they see fantastic photos of food um can how do they how can they provide
1: value i don't think you i don't think you can i yeah. mean unless you start doing like how to's like how to break down a chicken or how to excuse me not burn your rice or something like that but again then then you're in the business of Almost like teaching someone how to cook classes. are you, are you yeah. cookers are you a cooking school or are you a restaurant? So I think if you're gonna if you're gonna double down on social media, you can't look at it like I want this to add value. It's it's not adding I'm not I'm not giving anything away. If anything, I'm just using it as a as a it's like what's the thing you put on the fishing line that bait. Yeah, bait. Thank you. It's like the <laughs> bait. It's the bait for your guests. Um yeah, I, I don't think we can be spending too much time uh looking at Giving things away for free and added value—it's just like, if anything, maybe the cool, maybe the cool part. And then this is this is comes up all the time on my podcast—is—is is how popular food is right now, especially in media. Looking at Netflix, like Chef's Table and totally. whatever else yeah. is out there right now, like food is huge. Even on YouTube, like food is massive. It is so sexy right now. Everyone wants to get into food, whether it's Munchies or or YouTube or Netflix, whoever it is. Everyone wants to be involved with food. So yeah, double down on that, but be very cautious of how far down the rabbit hole you're going and what your expectations going back to that whole conversation. What are your expectations from posting that photo of your pancakes? Um, but I don't know I, I for me, I don't think I don't think anyone's choosing me to be the restaurant consultant because of my Squarespace website and the cool photos that my buddy took of me. I don't think so. They're choosing me to be their consultant because they've heard me on my podcast. They have been, they've been to my website and listened to what I can offer. And that's why they choose me. They don't look at my Instagram profile and go like, I'm going to give this guy a shot because of this cool post he did. I just don't think for me, that's not driving my business. It's giving people a taste of who I am, but I hope they're not shopping with me because of my Instagram page, because you and I were more than that. Do you know what I mean? Do
0: you think I can get, clients off the ledge though. Let's say someone is considering, let's say they're not as super excited about how their restaurant is doing. They're considering using a consultant. They're likely going to look at your Instagram. If they're under the age of 60, they're likely <laughs> going to look at your Instagram. Yeah. So yes, they're going to go to your website. They're likely going to look you up on social media. If you have like some really attractive, cool videos or informative videos being like this is the number one thing or these are the top 10 things restaurateurs in greater Vancouver are doing wrong Mm. and just let like, whatever, have a one minute video. Mm. They're probably going to be like, Oh, this guy knows what the fuck he's talking about. Whereas if it's just like a lame page with like a couple dark photos, they might be like, Oh, he, he, I I don't even know what he does kind of thing. Yeah, no, for sure. So it could probably get people off the ledge. Yeah. Maybe it's not single-handedly saying, okay, I'm going to call this guy.
1: Yeah, I think you definitely have to have certain calls to action. I'm not ignorant towards that. I, I like your your like your um example of like the one minute videos. I see a ton of value in that, even like with whether you do Facebook ads or mm-hmm. sponsored ads on Instagram, I do see value in that and I do see that driving some business for sure. But after after that, they're not they're not paying me to be their consultant so that's what I mean. They're not paying me because I have a sexy Instagram sure. page. They're not paying me because my my there's no spelling errors on my website. They're paying me because here's the reality. Here's where they want to be. And then just like for you and what you do, like this is the home they're in. Mm-hmm. This is the home they want. You are that space in between mm-hmm. and you are the best at that. So that's why they're going to choose you. Not because your website is super sharp or maybe not even because you had that one minute video. It's because you've convinced them to get from their current reality to their desired reality. You are the best person for that right and i think that comes from for me it's comes from having conversations with people it's like i would always 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 tell people like just give me an interview that's it like don't look at my resume don't even look at my resume i know just give me an interview and my passion for this industry and my passion for coming on your team that will be enough and you don't want to be cocky but you want to be confident and that's how i feel right now in my current line of work I have this shot on my computer. It says the world's most successful restaurant consultant. That's, I I feel like I'm probably the best in the city. I'm probably the best in this province. I probably could be the best in this country. So that distance between their current reality and where they want to go, that's, it has to be me.
0: I like that. I, uh, it's interesting. I guess, I guess it's in any service business is, trying to get in front of the customer, right? Mm-hmm. So for us, we get calls like almost daily being from people considering selling. And one of the first questions they'll ask you on the phone is, what's your commission? And I try to avoid just saying the numbers because I I know that we provide much more value than mm-hmm. most other agents locally. And it's difficult to explain that over the phone. So trying to get that meeting Getting meeting someone in person so they can actually get an understanding of who you are, how passionate you are mm. just by your body language, et cetera, is so important. And then often at the end of those meetings, commission is like the last thing is talked about.
1: Yeah, I think it should be. I think anytime a client, if their first question to me is, uh, what is the cost? Mm. I just say that this is it's this is not gonna work. Yeah. And I just I we talked about this at the start of the podcast. Like I have to be okay with that deal not going through because that client isn't for me. If that's the very first thing you're concerned about, then we can't work together because I charge a lot of money, but I also charge a lot of money because what I do is very different from anyone else and I will help you get the results unlike anyone else. And that's, I'm assuming, how you feel as well. And I think being confident in that and knowing that, and being confident in yourself, saying, I apologize, but if we're going to talk price and commission right away, this relationship's not going to work. And you may probably burn a few potential deals, but I would say you're probably saving yourself a big headache. And it's also for me, I think that's that's the kind of guy I want to work with or girl I want to work with. If that's their response to me, and that's something else I started doing, which I think is so cool. And watching it now come into my life is when someone tells me something is $100, I don't ask them if they can give me a better price. I take out my credit card and I give it to them and I say, thank you very much. Because for so long... I would always say like, oh man, can you give me like 10 bucks off of that or 15, depending on what the item is or the service is. And then what happened to me when I started trying to sell something? Oh man, can you give me a deal? But now when I don't ask for a deal, no one asks me for a deal. It's like the law of attraction. It's a real thing. So when someone said, this is my cost, it's $2,500 a month. Here's my credit card, thank you very much. I don't say like, can you do 1,800? No, because when someone comes to buy something from me, that's how I want that interaction to go as well. I don't want them. If they start negotiating this, the conversation's over. Like this is our commission. This is what we charge. Thank you very much.
0: That's actually really interesting. Cause I feel like one of my big advantages in the real estate industry is negotiating. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm really good at reading what the other person is saying without what they're saying. So, but in personal life, I don't. How and do you I mean? almost feel awkward. So like, say I go to get a new car. Mm-hmm. They're like, this is what the cost is. Could I get $50 off that lease payment? <laughs> Maybe for a house and for someone else's investment. I'm like over the top aggressive and not necessarily, I don't want to say super aggressive, but I feel like I can read situations really well and get to the best outcome. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, like you said in personal life, it's like, okay, that's what the cost is. I'm not going to, right. Haggle you for 50 bucks kind of thing. Yeah. And so not that I necessarily thought about it before you just made that comment, but I think I'm pretty similar in that, in that work for me is very different. Obviously a big part of our job is negotiating.
1: Well, yeah, you're paid, you're paid to help me either the seller or the buyer, right? That's what you're paid to do. Exactly. Like either make me a bunch of money or get this stock this home for me at the best price you that's what you're paid to do. Exactly. So I I don't think there there's a there's a there's a massive disconnect in that theory with that process because that is amongst other things what you are paid to do. You're working for the client for sure on both ends. So you have to go to bat. But when it comes to them paying your fees or when it comes to you paying someone else's fees, whether you have a graphic designer or a web developer, whatever it is, don't ask them for a discount. Just don't, because guess what? The next deal you try and close, hey man, like can you give me twenty percent off? No, like no, I can't. Like if you wanted twenty percent off, you should have asked me for eighty percent of the work, and that's what I would have given you. But that's not what I do. So this can't be a working relationship. And again, it's it's not what the ninety eight percent want to hear. But I. I, don't, I hate saying this on record, but I don't really want to be 98%. I don't know how you feel or you feel, Carl, but yeah. like, I just don't have any interest in, like I want, I want for my family to experience this life, this world in a completely different way. And if I have to upset a few people by saying like, this is my price, like, are you kidding? That's like, that's vacations for my daughter. That's meals in Italy. That's, you know, those are things that I want in my life. And if I have to be adamant on, working with me is X amount of dollars a month, then that's a assorted or, or that's a hill I'm willing to die on. Mm.
0: One thing you mentioned a, a few minutes ago was uh, figuring out if that client is right for you or not. Mm. One of the first things uh, someone told me when I got in the real estate industry is he, it was one of the managing brokers at the office that we were at. I'm like sitting down with him really early on. He's like, what's your goal when you go into a listening appointment? And like being the very naive salesperson that I was, I was like, I don't know, to get a listing. And he's like, no, the number one goal is to figure out if that client is right for your business or not. Mm -hmm. And that is something that I've thought of almost every listing appointment walking in the door. Just being like, this is what we do. We do it really well. This is our cost. Figure out if this client is right for us or not. Yeah. And it almost gives you a big sense of confidence going into that appointment rather than like trying to sell yourself. You're more just like, this is who we are. Mm-hmm. Are you right for us? And I thought that was a really cool perspective. Yeah, a total,
1: uh, total paradigm shift and very counterintuitive kind of what we're told growing up. Again, the I think the 90% would have that mindset of, I'm here to get this listing. For sure. But what if that listing is going to be way too much work for you? What if I bring in a client that I can't do what they need me to do? What if they want really what they need is a new menu written and they need their kitchen reconfigured. Well, I'm not your guy for you. I'm more than happy to point you in the right direction, but you shouldn't be my client and I'm okay with that. Um, but if I go into every meeting, like, Oh man, I need this deal. Like I got to get this. Like, no, cause it's not good for me. or not good for that. I think, and again, I think your clients appreciate that or potential clients appreciate that, that, that candidness of being like, you know what? I think you'd be great with, X, X realtor down the street because they're better at this than we are. We deal with X really well, and this, is, for me, is an X. Mm-hmm. So best of luck. If you need us in your next transaction, give me a call. Totally.
0: Do you... Okay, so what... I guess what aspects of the restaurant would you be assisting with? Would you be assisting with like revamping staff, like hiring? Yeah, like
1: hiring, uh, oh, training, okay. and then like day-to-day processes, implementing uh, new strategies uh, with with training, with hiring. But really really, what I'm finding is, is needed right now in the industry and what I feel like I excel at is that people aspect of building teams. Mm-hmm. I played sports my whole life. I played hockey uh, through university and, you, we can take so much. You guys mentioned you play basketball. And you just take so much from team sports and apply it to business. Totally. And there've been many, many books written um, about that and how they kind of how they kind of cross pollinate each other. Um, but looking at, say, for example, uh, like a Stanley Cup winning team or an NBA championship winning team, what do they? Or even I started just a week ago talking to a client about the New England Patriots or the New York Yankees. Now, I'm not a big Patriots fan or a big Yankees fan, but why are people willing to take less money and go play for the Patriots than they would if they played for the Jets or whoever? It's because of the culture. It's because Belichick can sit down with him and say, you're going to make $3 million less, but you're probably going to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. <laughs> so as an athlete, you're like, uh, okay, that's kind of what I want to do. So... Okay, I'll sign for 12 instead of 15 mil. And it's because of the culture. It's because of what people like the New England Patriots and the Yankees have done. They've created a culture within their business that is a culture of winning and a culture of excellence. So that's what I look to do when I step into a restaurant is how can I make this look like the locker room of the, not actually look like it'd be a bunch of naked dudes walking around, but (laughs) (laughs) depending on your restaurant (laughs) with the clients that you want, but that's what I look to do is what can I borrow from great restaurants or great sports teams that we could now implement in your space? What are they doing that makes people want to be a part of it? And that's such a massive thing right now in the industry is, is you see, um, hiring 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 and hiring and all these windows um, but a lot of teams aren't hiring because they're full and their staff are happy and they're pumped but those teams are also in the background very quietly actively recruiting mm-hmm. always actively recruiting because the industry is is changing so quickly um, but yeah implementing plans and processes to turn your restaurant into a super bowl winning culture
0: And that's probably one of the biggest or the toughest things in business is building that culture and hiring the right people to fit it. So when you're taking over a restaurant that is underperforming or the culture is not there, what types of
1: things are you looking for in individuals that you're bringing in? For me, it all starts with um, something I call GPS. So I sit down with the owner or the leadership team, usually a general manager or manager, and we do something called GPS. And it's called Um, how it breaks down, sorry, is goal, purpose, strategy. So we first look at the goal. Like, what is your goal? What do you want to be as a restaurant? Where do you want to be, whether it's financially or do you want to be in Canada's top 100 list? Like, what are your goals? And then we look at and really dissect your purpose. Why do you want that goal? And then we look at a strategy and then we implement that strategy throughout your business. So it all all starts with a leadership team and what their goals are and the purpose behind those goals. And then that for me defines the strategies that I would implement in their space. And then how I look to either work with the existing team or bring on new members that really truly fit um, that goal. Because I think, again, there's that story that's being um, perpetuated in the industry of, of lack as opposed to abundance. So people are so afraid to let staff go. Because they think there's such a staff shortage. Mm-hmm. But again, I think if you take the right approach and you're true to what, what and why you're there, you'll attract the right people. And it goes back to the whole Billichek story of guys taking millions and millions and millions less it's because they want to be a part of it. And that, that's something, again, I just make people be very cognizant of, of that. Like, what are you creating? What is your business saying to not only your guests, but to your team as well, to your staff? Like what is the more, what is the culture? What is the vibe? What is the morale in the, in the space and always being like hyper aware of that. And the minute you let that slip, you know, as well as a, as a leader of a team, like the minute you let that slip, it's just, again, goes back to the whole skunking thing. Like it just completely changes the dynamic and that should be the only tiring part of running a team, whether it is real estate company or whether it's a restaurant or a sports team that should be the only tiring team is you being on 24 7 as the leader and making sure every move you make is in line with that goal and the people that do that are the ones that are just smashing it in every industry
0: that's a pretty good point i like that uh let's shift over to the podcast you've been doing it for almost a year eight uh months?
1: june yeah june 1st will be a year yeah
0: What's the concept of the podcast?
1: So it's called uh, the Half a Dozen Hospitality Podcast. And the concept is giving a platform to anyone and everyone that is in my industry, the restaurant industry, to have a space to tell their story. Hmm. So everyone from... And it's kind of like you with this podcast a bit. Your your guests are so varied, which I, I which for me is attractive as a user as a listener because I can get so many different things, so many different people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had architects on, designers on, head chefs, bartenders, restaurateurs, GMs, literally everyone, uh, farmers, um, food based charities, like every, anyone that is affected by food is welcome on my show. And really, that's literally everyone. Everyone's (laughs) affected by food. Everyone needs food. Um, And yeah, it just started off as a passion for me uh, and recorded recorded my first, I think I like batched. I did like three or four in a week. And then I took the uh, Entrepreneur on Fire uh, free podcast course. Shout out uh, John Lee Dumas. Um, And I launched June 1st with four episodes with friends of mine in the industry and haven't looked back. It's been awesome. Now it's grown into, again, a great funnel for me and my business, but it's also grown into this great charitable cause that we're doing, uh, throughout the lower mainland throughout this year and then years after. And that's super fun, man. Like you were saying, it's a great way to connect with people. And I don't know how you feel when you finish podcasts with people that you maybe hadn't met before, but when I hit stop or when Carl hits stop, I just, I feel like we're like connected now. Like we're, we're buds, like we're mm-hmm. friends. And I feel that like I, I hug all of my <laughs> guests, although hugging is kind of like faux pas nowadays, but I hug all my guests when I'm done because it's just super cool. And I get, you get to a level that, that we probably wouldn't get to if there weren't mics here for some reason.
0: A hundred percent agree. Even people that I know and have relationships with that I've had on, it completely takes the relationship to a different level. Mm-hmm. And so even people that I thought I knew a lot about starting to talk a little bit more about their backstory, you learn so much more and you pick up little things from everyone. And that's why I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do when I started. And it was the idea was more like entrepreneurial sharing your backstory. The line that I like I started using at the beginning was social media is like a super glorified version of entrepreneurship. I want to tell people what it's actually like. Okay, cool. And so basically just like sharing the grind and the process through the first few years kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of evolved into, it's such an addicting platform for me. I love these conversations. I love learning from other people's experiences, whether it's in the restaurant industry, real estate industry, had like breweries obviously because I like craft beer, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't really have to be entrepreneurship. It's more just like, people who want to share stories. Yeah. And so it's kind of got into anything. We had uh, a, a lady who like suffers from mental illness who oh, wow. came on and just kind of like shared her story and gave people some tips of like, who, you know, how to get through stuff, who to contact if, if you are battling these types of things. Oh, man, and it's so, so valuable. it's, a, and it opens my eyes to the world because I luckily have never had to battle that kind of stuff, but obviously there's so many people that do. mm mm-hmm. And so I don't know. It it's a great learning tool for me. Yeah. I don't really like reading. Oh no? No. I, what I audio, love what about audiobooks? I my time is consumed with podcasts right now. Okay. I probably should get into some audiobooks. Or I think I could find value from them. But it's more I like that podcasts are pretty passive. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't listen to every word you're not really missing a lot. Right. Um, so it's in the car, it's like as I'm working out kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I, f- from my experience with audio books, you need to be more engaged. Mm. Maybe I'm wrong.
1: But yeah, no, it's I, I think a lot of us uh learn better through audio than we do visually, so reading mm-hmm. books. Um I just for me reading books has been a skill that I've like been adamant on because I hated reading books for such a long time. And now I do this thing with my coach where it's um it's a whole other podcast, but we call it death ground. And if I don't read 20 pages a day, I own 50 bucks for every day. I don't read 20 pages. <laughs> um, so there's pain associated with not reading. Uh, but I found for me, it's just like, again, it's, it's opened my eyes to so much like you in this podcast and like you and the learning from this podcast. There's so much information out there, whether it is in written books mm-hmm. or just sitting down with someone um, and putting mics in front of their face and just asking you ask great questions. This podcast is full of great questions, great, very leading questions. Like you would do probably in a quote unquote sales call, right? Mm-hmm. You're trying, you're digging for information, for sure. but then the listeners are like, wow, I had no idea about this, about that person or about that, about that person. And then you as well, you're learning so much. So it's just a man, whether it's books or podcasts, I feel like you can't go wrong right now. We're living in such an amazing special time and we should all be taking advantage of it because there's so much free information out there. It's absolutely crazy. It's so crazy.
0: That. You okay? You mentioned uh, in your email that you uh, re- are addicted
1: to self self help books. Yeah, like yeah, just getting. I'm I'm a big uh, non fiction guy. Like I, I can't get into I can't get into fiction. So yeah, anything anything I can use to make me or to allow for me to grow and be a better person, better man, better mm-hmm. partner, better business owner. Like those are the books I just get completely like drawn into because it's tangible yeah it's like try this do this this is what i do so you should do it too and i tried out and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but yeah i'm uh big into books and it's it's taken me a while to say that but now i'm I'm definitely there
0: what are a couple that you've uh read recently that you'd recommend um, so or tell if, me to try yeah no, i would
1: love for you to read um well, definitely Solve for Happy. It's a great one. I should actually get it for you and mail it out to you. Um, so Solve for Happy. I love The 50th Law. Um, Robert Greene is the author. If you guys have, haven't heard of Robert Greene, please check him out. His writing is amazing. He has a new book that he law, released a few months ago. The name escapes me right now, but apparently it's just incredible. The 50th Law is actually written uh, with him and 50 Cent, which sounds mm. kind of funny. Um Cause 50 cent is not maybe, maybe the most like articulate person, but he actually is really, really smart, uh, very business savvy. And it goes through his whole story from like coming up and dealing with drugs and how he approached marketing himself and branding mm. himself. That was a game changer for me. Um, seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, I don't know if that one's Stephen Covey, Sean Covey. Yeah, I've heard of that one. So yeah. seven habits, of highly, highly effective teens is what I read in high school. And so that's Stephen Covey's son, Sean Covey wrote that. And that was what I think literally saved my education, that book. Um, just incredible. Like things like be proactive instead of reactive. Like That just stuck with me as a kid, like as a 17-year-old kid. Like what does it even mean? But I was able to conceptualize it and put it into practice and went from literally failing out of high school to the valedictorian of my graduating class, all because of that one book. Um, so those, those would be my like have twos. And then I'm reading one right now called The Advantage by Patrick Lencioni. And it's about working with teams and creating um, a healthy uh, and abundant work environment. And that's been really, really cool as well. Apparently he has a bunch of books. My coach sent it to me and uh, yeah, apparently he has a bunch. So I'm really turned on to to his writing as well. What? Uh, sorry, what was that one last called? The Advantage. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah. For you and the listeners, uh, Robert Green, too. So, Robert Green is the one that introduced uh, me to me and my coach to what Death Ground is. It's a or The Art of War, uh, Sun Tzu, uh, the Samurai Warrior. I don't, if, I don't know if you can like geek out on Samurai <laughs> for a bit, but um, so yeah, The Art of War that's another fantastic book. It's so applicable to entrepreneurialism, relationships, all those things. Classic.
0: What I like what I've found that I really like about the podcast is that it seems to be very, very authentic, mm-hmm. uh, especially the ones that I like listening to. What are they? Um, I get a lot out of, um, pieces of Gary V at a time. Yep. Uh, I was really into it when I started listening to podcasts maybe a year ago. And now it's more like once a week, I'll check in and yeah. skip through some of what he's going got going on. Yeah. Uh, I like, how chill Dak Shepherd's conversations are. Okay, yeah. I've listened to quite a few of them in the last maybe couple months.
1: Would you do a live uh like live on a stage like he does? Would you do that ever?
0: I don't see why not. Yeah. Cool. Would anyone show up? I would. <laughs> I don't know. I would. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, man. Alright, we'll have one person there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and Carl will be there too.
0: I don't I honestly I think that's a bit why I like podcasts so much and why I like social media so much is because I think it's a touch of insecurity for me. Like if I were to do a live one that no one would show up and it would be embarrassing.
1: That's exactly why you should do it. I know you're right. Yeah. So when are you doing it? <laughs> so at the end of my, po- at the end of every podcast that I, I record, I ask. It's, it's all, nothing is scripted on my show. Like I don't even, I don't even ask anyone. If I don't know you, I don't ask anything of you. I just like, Hey, come on in and let's just talk. And that's, it's super genuine. And this has been that way as well. But I ask everyone the exact same scripted questions when we close out the conversation. It is, uh, cause the business and the show is called the half, half a dozen hospitality. So I ask them the half a dozen have twos and the half a dozen haven't yet. So the idea is give me one to six of things that you've done in your life. That you feel like the listeners have to do, mm-hmm. whether it's like a book you've read, or a concert you've been to, or a meal you've eaten, or like an ayahuasca trip you've had, or whatever it is, yeah. and then give me one to six things that you haven't experienced yet. So, like one of yours would be I haven't I haven't sat on a stage and hosted a live podcast. And then I would say on the record, okay, when when are you doing it? By like what is the date? So we have it like written forever <laughs> and ever recorded. <laughs> I like um, that. So. Carl, should we hold him to a date? I'm fine. Let's fucking do it. Okay. Who's going to be on it? You're the host. <laughs> you get to pick. I think, I, I think honestly, it, it, if you care about my opinion, you should have multiple people and run it like um, do like one in New West, do one downtown, do one in Abbotsford. Maybe you just you do live spots throughout like a week or like a couple Saturdays in a mm-hmm. row. At different breweries, you're really passionate about. That'd be an easy room to film in. A bunch of people drinking beer on a Saturday night, but you happen to be doing a live podcast there. Super rad. I don't even drink beer, and I'd go because they probably have kombucha. I love kombucha. Shout out kombucha. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I honestly love like the Q and A platform, and I've been talking to Carl about like how do we involve Q and A, and it has to be through live because oh, people sure. have to be watching. Yeah. But I I really like that. One, you get feedback from people, but two, you just get to be brutally honest with answers Ooh. and I have no problem doing that. So I think that would be cool to do a live podcast with like a
1: Q&A section of it. Carl, could you do, um, with the technology you guys have right now, could you do like call-ins on the show? Right now? Yeah. 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 You could do that sometime too, right?
0: Again, the fear getting over is like I announce it as a Q&A and no one calls.
1: <laughs> right? That's okay. That's just it. Like that. Totally. Yeah. I watched... Um, Everyone watched it a few years ago. That minimalism documentary. Yeah. Did you watch that? No. Nope. Okay. Everyone but you. I don't um, watch. T- I don't
0: really watch much TV.
1: <laughs> I don't even have a TV, and I watched it. So. Okay. <laughs> um, but one of the things they said was, so they released this book on minimalism, and uh, they were going and doing a book tour, and one of the book tours, two people showed up. But they still gave, they still got up there and still did their talk. Just like it, going back to what we said at the very start of this, if that's why you're doing it, then don't even do it. Do You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, no one's called. That's cool. Carl and I just sit here and talk about whatever I want to talk about. But if someone does call, wicked. Do you know what I mean? I think mm-hmm. that that is that is where we we set ourselves up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. But also, I don't. I, I don't feel like you're a a guy that would sit there and even manifest or visualize no one calling you. It it wouldn't bug me.
0: Honestly, I'm super weird like this. The thought of it, it's kind of like going up and talking in front of a hundred people. Right. The thought of it is a lot more uh, daunting than actually doing it. That's like anything. Yeah. So
1: we were saying earlier, like the process is, is what's daunting. But once you're up there, it's like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. So once you decide, Yes, Brad, I'm going to do a Q&A or yes, Brad, I'm going to do a live podcast. Once you once you say that and put the wheels in motion and then when you're actually doing it, that's when it's just like, oh, we're just here, we're just doing it. But it's it's one to put it out there. Yeah. And then it's two, it's like with my dinner series, dude, I was like, can I say, yeah, I already said shit. I was like shitting the bed because I was like, <laughs> this needs to be, I'm a restaurant consultant. I'm, ho- I'm having a pop-up restaurant. It needs to be p- 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 perfect. Like, Everything needs to be perfect. If it isn't, then I'm kind of like a a bit of a fraud, which I'm not because the one thing doesn't define me and my business, but I wanted for it to be, and I was freaking out. But then as soon as the first guest showed up and the music was just perfect and the drinks were cold and it just just flowed. It was like a dance, right? And it was like a really good dance that people wanted to be a part of. So I think you should do it and you should. We
0: should call it the Ask Denny D Show. I like that. Well, no, cause Gary V show.
1: Yeah. So you started, a and first? those
0: are my favorite ones. Like, so every week exactly. I'll go into Gary V and I'll like scroll through and find the ask Gary V. So what, but why, what about that? I just like the honest, I like having real people call exactly. and ask real
1: life questions. So there you go. Hmm. And then just blast it. I'll put it on my social media. Ask people, ask past guests to put on their social media. Hey, would you mind doing me a favor? I'm doing a new Q&A series every Wednesday at whatever or whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And as you know, the consistency is key in everything, especially in podcasting. And then just crush it. Could you do that, though? Could you take calls? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. Oh, see? You're already set up. There you go. So you have to be already like doing a live podcast. And then, yeah, man, do it. But I, I I think the, the live podcast is really cool. Like the traveling podcast is super rad too. Um, but again, it's like, who am I to, I'm not Dak Shepard. Well, no, you're not Dak Shepard. You're you, but just do it. You know what I mean? And if just your parents show up, that's cool too. Mm. But yeah, even,
0: okay. Like at the beginning, Carl would not very often, maybe once a month. And we've only been doing it for four months, maybe, but, he'll come in and be like, okay, this is how many lessons we have now or downloads that we have now. Mm. And I told him recently, I was like, I don't really, I don't want to know. Yeah. Like I don't want to be disappointed by a low number. I don't want to be too excited by a high number. Right. What is your expectation though? Uh, I don't know. Of course I have like weird goals and such as, can you share them or no? Uh, I want it to be like the whole idea for starting the podcast for me was to, well, one of the guys on my team, made this comment early on when he started with us and he's like how I want there to be a a way to get all the information in your head into my head. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, well how do I scale information? Make it more readily available for people. So podcast was the goal. And so it's really just sharing experience and things that have helped me slash things that have helped guests Mm -hmm. with more and more people so this number that i had in mind for a random number i don't know where it came from is a thousand downloads an episode by the end of 2019 okay that's doable and long-term goal ten thousand downloads an episode where are these numbers coming
1: from i don't know have you done have you done any solo episodes uh yes and not many what's the feedback on the solo ones I don't know it's random. yeah I think with that again, like I'm, I'm looking at that now of doing, um, Facebook lives only ever done one, but mm-hmm. doing them consistently on the same day at the same time. So maybe you started doing like your individual ones where you're just dropping knowledge bombs every Thursday at 6am kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, man, just keep doing it. It's awesome. Your, your setup is That's slick. actually a really good idea. Your setup is slick. Uh, you've got Carl, which is amazing. Um, mic this guy up too, man. Get him, get him another mic. I We do have, we have a third mic. He just won't be able to put it out. Dude, why not? I'm the behind the
0: scenes guy. Uh, <laughs> uh, for anyone listening,
1: if you haven't seen Carl, he's ridiculously handsome. Are you single? No. Ah, oh, mind. <laughs> but he's ridiculously handsome and he's obviously very savvy with his technology. So shout out to Carl. We talk about his beard all the time. On the yeah, show. his beard's epic, dude. How long has that thing been growing? Oh, like a year and a half now. Nice. I like it. You should, that beard should have a podcast. <laughs> I want to hear your, uh, couple must do's or whatever oh, you said. Man, yeah. So cool. Um, the, the
0: have to's. Yeah. Have to's. Uh, I usually, I usually end the shows by saying like, make a final statement or, um, what's the best piece of advice you've
1: been given that's help your business or something like that. But mm-hmm. I
0: think, uh, I like this idea. Yeah.
1: You can, you can borrow it, man. Not for that I'm sure. going to steal it, but for oh, you, no, dude, I yeah, like it. Yeah. Um, so my, uh, half a dozen, half to six is really difficult. And I always feel bad because my guests start to sweat after like two. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, I would definitely say, um, hire a coach, hire, uh, find someone who you admire. Find someone who's doing something that you want to be doing. Um, I saw this today. Someone said, uh, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 20, but find that person in their chapter 20. Send them an email and say, will you mentor me? And if they say yes, make it worth their while if they don't tell you what it costs. Like literally send them stakes or send them money, whatever. Like make it worth their while. But hire a coach, hire a mentor is... And invest in yourself is so paramount, so paramount. I've spent more money now in the last few years on um on working with coaches and working with my current coach that if it wasn't for him, like there's no way I'd be where I'm at today so you you need that you need to have someone helping you and especially people that are have gone through it already um that's huge um be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with yourself. Sit in front of the mirror. Look yourself in the mirror with like the lights jacked up as bright as they will go. And ask yourself today or tonight, ask yourself, am I happy? And like, don't BS it. Like be 100% honest when you look at yourself in the eyes and you can like see into your soul. And like, am I happy? And if you hesitate at all, change something. But before you change something, give 100%. That's my next one. You have to give 100% to everything in your life. You have to. And if you don't, you have no right in stepping away from it. Until you give everything you have, you have no right to bail on it. And I felt for a long time with my, my marriage that I bailed on it. But I knew that I gave everything that I had. And that made me okay with being able to step away. Um, Travel to Italy. Definitely. I have to, if you haven't been, have you been? Yeah. Yeah. Carl, you've been three years ago. Yeah. Nice. Where'd you go?
0: I did a cruise. So I didn't get to like fully experience living in the country and like doing things like locals do, but uh, oh man, we were in five stops. Uh, Malfi Coast, uh, Sorrento, Sorrento right? um, a, I can't remember what the port was called, but a little town called Luca.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, Luca. That's amazing. Which was uh, unbelievable. Crazy. So cool. Lindsay, my partner, her dad, uh, who's no longer with us. Rest in peace, Larry. Uh, he's from Luca and we're due to go to, we're, I mean, it's not like we haven't like bought the tickets yet, but it's. It's coming. We're Have going you been to, to that Lu- city? No,
0: never. That's a city I would go back to and stay for a week. Cool, such a cool little city. It's no, we like, should talk,
1: man. there's like totally. a four
0: mile wall around the city. That's where his that like family like is from. All the yeah. locals run around the city every in the mornings. They bike ride around the wall. Like it's it's yeah, super. Are they cool. all like
1: super fit because her family is like ridiculously fit. I feel like everyone in Luca is just like shredded. Well, I was so
0: surprised in how many people were running around this wall. Like it's a really small city, right? And maybe we got in there at 9 a.m. or something, and there's like hundreds of people running and biking around the wall.
1: Just crush that active lifestyle. <laughs> totally, hey.
0: Yeah, really cool little square in the middle. There's a couple like stunning old cathedrals in them in the middle of the city. Yeah, yeah amazing. Uh, like super good pizza, but obviously anywhere yeah, yeah. in Italy, yeah, yeah it has it has super good pizza.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Loved it. Where'd you Loved go? Love that city. Uh, just Rome and Santa Maria. Ooh, Santa Maria. You even said it. Nice. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Rome was the other one. Uh, Rome was one for me, and then uh, Venice. Nope. Pompeii. Pompeii. I, I can't remember what the port was called, but Pompeii. Is it crazy? It? It's crazy over there. Even oh, the, the history
1: insane. blew me away. But even living... I remember I told the story just this past weekend. I was in uh, Edmonton visiting my, my grandma. Shout out, grandma. Um, and I was talking to her about history. And I was talking to her about how young we still are as a country, especially as a province. I mean, don't get me started. But I remember walking around London when I lived there and I found, I didn't find, it wasn't like exploring. I literally just walked up to a building and there was a plaque on it, the remains of what once was this structure was built in the 1100s like the 11 <laughs> like, like yeah. we didn't become a country until 1867 they were building and living in things in the 1100s like the history over there in italy and england and it's just in- incredible blew me away i absolutely love it I can't wait to started
0: back. in turkey so it was in istanbul for a couple nights oh cool and there was I've one been... i i probably would go back it was really eye-opening <laughs> You get off the plane and there's two dudes standing at the gate with AK-47s. Like it's it's a different experience. That's just
1: for the restaurant owners. That's the opposite of what we want when people walk into your space. That that vibe isn't the cool vibe. <laughs> You're immediately threatened, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but
0: we went through a um, a cathedral or church mosque. I get mosque there that was built in the 1400s. Yeah. Isn't that insane? Uh, it, and the fact that you build
1: these things. Yeah. It takes how long to just build like a multifamily home here now. <laughs> but they were putting up these mosques and like, I mean, it probably took them years. But still, the fact they did it with no modern technology is just mind boggling. It totally is. Yeah. But they couldn't do badass podcasts then either. So there you go. There you
0: go. Um, what's your one big have not yet?
1: I have not. Mm. The sound, you know what? I'll just say it anyway. I haven't. Uh, Purchased Maybe you can help me out with that I haven't purchased My freestanding home In Vancouver yet So by 2020 uh, I'm going to purchase A freestanding home Like okay. it Yeah uh, This city Again I think we We all perpetuate This story so much This city is Is too expensive And you can't afford To live here I look around though Like what are you t- There's tons of people Living here And they're doing fine Like why Why can't you Why can't you Just buy a house And that those are the people that I just, I can't, I can't afford to be around and I've, I don't want to say I, I don't pity them, but I feel for them because they just feel so stuck in what they're doing and they don't think, they don't see a way. I had a conversation with someone today. Um, I asked them, they they struggle a bit with, with mental health and <clears throat> I don't say mental health, they just struggle a bit. I shouldn't say mental health, I don't, I don't know that for a fact, but um, I asked, I asked her how she was doing and how things were. And she said, uh, things aren't good. Uh, They haven't changed and they'll never change. And I was just so challenged by that. Like, I want to be there for her and I want to help her. Um, But I also feel like that's not the type of people and the type of vibe I want to be around. Um, Because you can literally, like, whatever you think of, you can have and if you don't believe that, that's cool. But I choose to believe it. And it took me a long time to manifest the life I have now. But I've been dreaming of this since I was probably sixteen, eighteen years old, like the kid and like even like how my partner looks and I own my own home and all this stuff. I own my own I have my own company now and I'm like sending out invoices like that's crazy to me. <laughs> do you <laughs> know what I mean? For so many years I'm like this can't you can't do that. You can't do that. You you finish school and you get a job and you work for someone. But I was like, no, like I don't know. And it took a while and it took some pretty ugly trips, but now I'm here.
0: That's a mindset that is really hard to relate, relate to for me. And obviously the topic of housing affordability in greater Vancouver is a sensitive one and I'm in it every day and I'm empathetic towards Mm -hmm you know, like a school teacher is making $50,000 a year. Obviously it's going to be very challenging to buy a house in Vancouver. Um, but I just, I look at the state of the internet and how much opportunity there is because of all these tools that we have. It's crazy. And it's, to me, it's, it's, it's a mindset. If you believe that there's no way out and you, you know, doom, doomsday is coming. It, it, I think you're just kind of screwed. <laughs> it's, but if you look at, at things super optimistically, like I think I do is just like exactly like what
1: you said. I want
0: this out of my life. I'm going to do what it takes to get there.
1: Yeah. I've got one. I've, as far as I know, I have one trip around this earth in this body. One. Exactly. So I'm going to, I'm going to dream as big as I. Cause my coach says this all the time. He's like, tell me the last time someone got thrown in jail for having ridiculous dreams. Tell me. Tell me the last time someone got in trouble for having ridiculous dreams. Like, just go and dream it. And I look at my daughter who's eight months old, and when she's three, am I going to tell her that her dreams aren't achievable? No. I'm going to tell her if she wants to be a ballerina, she can be a ballerina. But why, when she's 20, do I say you can't be a ballerina? Like, what's what's dynamically changed? 17 years? Because she didn't train? Well, guess what? If you want to be a ballerina, you get to train really, really hard. Now go train. How bad do you want it? And I think of people like uh teachers. Okay, you make X amount of dollars a year. That maybe you can't afford a four point two million dollar home. But what are you doing in the summer months when you're not working? Like could you go and triple, quadruple what you make as a teacher? There's so much opportunity like you were saying right now with the internet and this world. Like go out and get it. But it's just a lot of people don't want to. And hey I get I get it. Like it is hard. Like, real hard. I've been so tempted to go get a job, you have no idea. Like, the idea of getting a paycheck every two weeks is so sexy to me. But that sex appeal can't deviate me from where I'm going. And I'm just very blessed to be in a situation where both my partner and I, we run our own businesses. And we've afforded ourselves this quote-unquote luxury. We work really hard, but we're able to exercise our dreams of being entrepreneurs. But we're here because of the work we put in and I'll be damned if I'm going to go take a job and again, no offense we need people to work for people like for sure and that's cool but if you have that in you that entrepreneurial spirit or you want to be a ballerina or whatever it is go and do it like just do it
0: people rarely regret putting themselves out there and trying even if it even if you fail you learn so much along the way that you're better off afterwards mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, like Gary V talks about this all the time, and it's one of his biggest things is like the most terrifying thing in the world to him is regret. Is yeah. talking to an 80 year old person or something and them oh, saying, Oh, I didn't try this, or I this was my dream, but at the time there was no internet, you know, just excuses. Yeah. So that's kind of like a thing that I've adopted is just I'm not going to regret anything if I want to do something and I'm passionate about something, I'm just going to do it. Yeah, if I fail. If I do a live podcast and no one to, no one listens and no one shows up is, or no one is, asks the question, yeah. well, I learned and I'm a little bit tougher because of
1: it, right? But is that even a failure? Not to get all existential here, but like how do we, like why Why is that a failure? Like why, what is a failure? And are you saying it's a failure? If, you, if you're defining it as that, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But if someone else is dictating that to you, that's not cool. Like if just because society says if you don't sell this thing out, It's not a success. Well, no, the success for me was getting past my hesitation of even saying it out loud and then even booking a room and then telling Carl to come down here at seven o'clock on a Saturday night because we're going to do this under the lights. (laughs) That was a success for me. It was, didn't matter about who showed up. Um, and that to me quickly is like the coolest thing is when you don't big up something, like don't big it up. And watch what happens. I remember so vividly in university, we used to, I live with five guys. We would always want to throw like big shakers. And we (laughs) learned three years into our four-year shaker career that it was, if you called it a party, it was always disappointed. If you said we're having some people over, it ended up being like the coolest night of the entire year. The whole (laughs) university was talking about it. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, don't don't call it, uh, you know, the world's biggest live podcast thing ever just be like hey guys i'm doing this podcast." and then when they show up they're like "Holy like oh my god he's got like lights and carl's here with his handsome beard and he's got like a <laughs> bunch of that's you know what i mean and then it turns into like this big thing like you were saying at the very start under promise over deliver just blow people's minds that's a pretty good way to end I think.
0: <laughs> under promise over deliver
1: blow people's minds yeah Brad, thanks so much
0: for coming on. No, it was man. great to connect. Yeah, thank you. I'm uh, sh- I'd love to do it again sometime.
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll have to have you on mine, dude. We'll do the- we'll have you both on. We got to get Carl mic'd up. I've got I've got four five mics, <laughs> so you can have three of them. <laughs> his beard can have two and then his mouth can have one.
0: Where uh, can people hit you up on uh social media? Or uh, website if they yeah. have questions uh, for you.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. So um, all of my media and website is just uh, Brad Bodnerchuck. So it's uh, at Brad Bodnerchuk and Bodnerchuk is B-O-D-N-A-R-C-H-U-K. Kind of like Vaynerchuk, but not obviously with a B-O-D and N N-A-R. We'll throw it in the podcast notes to you. Yeah, thank you. And just uh, <laughs> Brad com. Beautiful.
0: Guys, thanks so much for tuning in. As always, I would absolutely love to hear your feedback. Hit me up on Instagram, denny.duma. Later. I'm not afraid of